Hello and welcome to this special episode of Close Talking. I am co-host Jack Rossiter-Munley. Toni Morrison died just over a month ago, and we discussed her poem, Someone Leans Near, on our 75th episode. There is so much about her continually astonishing work and far-reaching legacy that we have more of that conversation to share this week. We talk about how her writing has touched lives and inspired many, even those who did not become writers themselves or pursue any kind of literary career. Before we dive into the episode, just a quick reminder that it would mean the world to us if you hopped over to the Apple Podcasts area, iTunes store, however you prefer to think of it, and left this show a rating and a review. Those ratings and reviews are the best way to boost us up the old iTunes algorithm and help more people find the show. So without further ado, on to the show. It's called Someone Leans Near by Toni Morrison. Someone leans near and sees the salt your eyes have shed. You wait, longing to hear words of reason love or play to lash or lull you toward the hollow day. Silence needs your fear of crumbled star ash sifting down, clouding the rooms here, here. You shore up your heart to run, to stay, but no sign or design marks the narrow way. Then on your skin, a breath, caresses the salt your eyes have shed. And you remember a call clear, so clear, you will never die again. Once more, you know, you will never die again. It does really open up at the end in terms of the rhymes after the, you know, with the caresses. Um, but again, part of why it's so cool and still feels like it all fits together is because it still has repeated lines. So even though it's not rhyming anymore in the same way, it's still like got them callbacks. It's got those callbacks yeah. going. Yeah. And it also the the last two lines, um, once more, you know, you will never die again. That second to last line, once more, you know is I think the shortest line in the poem along with the very first one, someone leans near, it's just four syllables. Um, and that made me think of the T.S. Eliot poem, The Hollow Men, which now that I remember it, got a good hollow echo, who's to say? Um, but that poem sort of famously ends this is the way the world ends. This is the way the world ends. This is the way the world ends, not with a bang, but a whimper. Um, and there's a kind of, I think, some, either I read it somewhere or there's a teacher I had who told me, but there's like a, a reading of that where like there's a buildup in the repetition of this is the way the world ends and the kind of way that the poem cuts off quickly like not with a bang but a whimper kind of enacts the the whimper of the poem as a kind of thing like you know you think it's gonna be something great 
that the way the world ends and it's not. Um, and it's not the same meaning at all, but the shortness of, you know, that last couplet, once more, you know, you will never die again, especially after the couplet before it. And you remember a call clear, so clear, which like in the repeating so clear is like unnecessarily elongating itself. You know, it's like it doesn't need to add the so clear like for meaning, you know, it's just like adding a whole another thing. And so it's like the the end also in the same way, you know, maybe we should do a little special app on um, short endings, but the weather in space by Tracy K. Smith. Great short um, ending. Great short ending. Um, that one we sort of had talked about in that poem, you know, has this thing where it has this short, like phrase kind of thing in the line is God being or pure force. And then the wind or what commands it, which that part comes on the next line. And it sort of repeats that over and over. And then the last line is faces radiant with panic. Um, and you expect there to be a kind of extra beat there on the end, which you're denied. Um, and so all of these endings, I think, kind of like cut things off quicker than what you've been like, you know, what the rhythms are telling you it should end. In a way, I think partly the it gives it a really strong sense of finality because you're like, Oh, that shit is over. I mean, that poem is done. Thought it was going no more done. It's not like, uh, you know, it's not like those songs where they like, couldn't think of an ending. And so they literally just fade out the same <laughs> thing over and over, yep. which thankfully doesn't happen anymore. Like or at least Aerosmith's not dream on, which interestingly, <laughs> the chords themselves are unresolved. And it's just that. That just fades out. So <laughs> come on. Yep. This is not a fade out. Um, and I think partly that's just, you know, at the poem, the at this poem's end, there's a knowing that is realized. And it's a kind of finality to that knowing. Once more, you know, you will never die again. Um, and the it's Christmas sort of like when Aerosmith's Dream On is performed live and they end it by hitting a gong. <laughs> instead of just fading out, which they sort of do because they're like, nah, 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 nah. Couldn't think of anything else. Mm. Yep. It's also like a different reference, but this is what it's maybe. There's a, you know, the band Boy Genius. Mm -hmm. I'm very obsessed with them. The song, uh, they have a song called Ketchum, Idaho. And they're like this, the lyrics and the lyrics, the chorus is like, I am never anywhere, anywhere I go. When I'm home, I'm never there long enough to know. And that's repeated in the choruses. But then at the very end, it's I am never anywhere, anywhere I go. When I'm home, I'm never there long enough. I am never 
and it cuts off the long enough to know. So it's like you think that's coming and then it doesn't come and then you're like, oh, we ended. But then it's also like the meaning's a little different now because it's like I want to be home longer and I'm never not. I'm never home long enough. And you're like, you're so clever. You're a boy genius. Um, yeah. And there's also band. the uh, the blues song Messing with the Kid where there's a riff that runs throughout it, which is ba na 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 and then they sing the verse and then it's like you call it what you want and you think they're gonna say i call it messing with the kid because that's the rhyme but no i call it messing with the and then the lyrics stop and it just goes you can call it what you want i call it messing nice yeah no they're all examples of a creation of expectation and a sort of subversion of that through a shortening suddenly um, in different ways. But yeah, I think my, my last thought, and I keep coming back to the repetitions and I mean, I'm, you know, I'm a, I like the little formal gizmos. Um, but this was something that I had, I did my college English major thesis thing on uh, the poem of the poetry of uh, W.B. Yeats. Um, and at any rate, there was he he has a lot of repetitions and echoes. And I mean, it's a repetition, obviously, is common in lots of poetry, but. One thing that I was exploring in that was this use of the echo and the repetition as like a kind of insistence of life in the face of death. Um, so there's a way of repeating as a way to redo something as a kind of formal way of like trying to reassert one's presence even though because it's, you know, like a, an echo, you know, it's always fading away. So it's kind of doomed to fail. Uh, but there's the one, there's this one poem by Yeats called Man and the Echo. And it's kind of like this guy is alone and sort of says things. And then every so often it's a dialogue and the echo just repeats himself. And so, uh, like there's this, you know, and all seems evil until I sleepless would lie down and die. And then the echo chimes in and is like, lie down and die. Um, and it's it's very similar, actually, to how the myth of echo and narcissist goes. It made me think of, you know, there's this sense there of this feudalness, but trying to like hold on to something and there was an interesting parallel of repetition in this poem where like you will never die again is repeated and so this kind of like the thing that can't be repeated is repeated or or the knowledge of that right um and so like even though death itself is final and 
will happen and will never happen again. Um, the poem in its sort of like reassertion of that knowledge, like, I don't know. It feels like the repetition is trying to take away some of that finality or, or create some kind of resistance against it. The broader point, which is that's a very micro example, is, you know, the way that poems and also plays like Othello and, you know, all language, the great way that they have, you know, durable life is the retelling and the rereading uh, and the re-echoing of their words. Um, and so, like... You know, and in that way also, it, it is the presence of another who's doing the work, you know, not just the writer, but the one who's speaking it or reading it has to do that work of like summoning the, the echo of the piece back into existence. It's a very overread, but it was something I was taking comfort in that there's in this poem, which is sort of confronting um you know a topic that is you know now sort of like all too real for morrison um you know there's this sense and uh power in you know the way that this poem is is um asserting and reasserting itself i guess i love that because in a lot of ways that essentially is putting her own quote about death and life and language into the ending of the poem. I, I don't necessarily think it's a huge overread because, again, the quote is literally, we die, that may be the meaning of life, but we do language, that may be the measure of our lives. And to have the meaning and the measure condensed like this, which I feel that when I read the end of this poem, that, that feels real, is, I don't know, I mean, that... Yeah, I feel that definitely. And and as you said, it's sort of a comforting thought because I mean, I don't know. Something this also has me thinking of is that the second part of her quote about not liking her work to be poetic is about the specific work she wanted to do in elevating the language of black people and the kind of stories that it was possible not just to tell about black people, but for a black person and specifically a black woman to tell. And that so much of the work that she did in her life and so much of how she will live on forever is beyond her own work, but also the various writers that she mentored personally, but just the like vast fields of literature that her books and essays and these five poems existing opened up for so many other people that lives on in a million ways that can never be measured or fully understood probably. And I feel like that's also present in what you were talking about. And if, you know, doing language is partially a measure of our lives and how we live on and stuff. I mean, that is an incalculable aspect and yeah, she's never going to die again. Like that happened once it is, obviously consequential but the ways in which she will live on 
are so much greater than that one event. And I feel like that's also captured in the ending of this poem and particularly in how you were describing it. Yeah, no, that's really good and a really, really important point. Um, and it makes me think of, there's a great essay that came out in 2003 in the New Yorker by um, Hilton Owls, and he was um, profiling Toni Morrison. And um, Morrison had, you know, was friends and colleagues with the poet Sonia Sanchez, um, who was another prominent uh, black writer in that sort of era of the 70s uh, and onward. Um, but Sanchez had taught the bluest eye in um, when she was teaching at Temple. And this is like from uh, what Sanchez told um, Hilton Owls. Um, you know, uh, you know, for this woman, Sanchez says, Toni Morrison, to write this, uh, to show this to us. Um, you know, what Toni has done with her literature is that she has made us look up and see ourselves, you know, us being black people. Um, she has authenticated us and she has also said to America, in a sense, do you know what you did? But in spite of what you did, here we is. We exist. Look at us. Um, you know, and Morrison said, you know, what was driving me to write was the silence. So many stories untold and unexamined. There was a wide vacuum in the literature. Um, and I was inspired, you know, to kind of fill that vacuum, um, which I think really speaks to your point. It's impossible to overstate, um, you know, even if someone has not read Toni Morrison, certainly they have encountered writing or work that has been, you know, indelibly affected and inspired and influenced by her work. Um, should we read it again? I think we should read it again. Someone leans near and sees the salt your eyes have shed. You wait longing to hear words of reason, love or play, to lash or lull you toward the hollow day. Silence needs your fear of crumbled star ash sifting down, clouding the rooms here, here. You shore up your heart to run, to stay. But no sign or design marks the narrow way. Then on your skin, a breath caresses the salt your eyes have shed. And you remember a call clear, so clear, you will never die again. Once more, you know, you will never die again. Hey everybody, this is Jack again. Thank you so much for listening. This is the part of the show where we tell you all the different ways you can get in touch with us because we love to hear from you. If you have ideas for future episodes, comments on this or any of our past episodes, different readings of poems than the ones that we offered, we want to hear it. 
Uh, the fastest and easiest way to get in touch with us is on Twitter. The show is at Close Talking. I am at Jack Rossiter Munn, and Connor is at Hot Sauce Boxed. You can also get in touch with us via email if you have lengthier thoughts. Our email address is closetalkingpoetry at gmail.com. We are also on Facebook at facebook.com slash close talking. And of course, the very best way to stay up to date on the latest close talking happenings is to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to get your podcasts. Uh, we're also available in addition to iTunes on Stitcher and SoundCloud. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you again next time.